The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. I asked you all for ideas for solo episodes, so this week I am delivering on one of those, and I'm going to be talking about things I'm looking forward to or things coming up when it comes to fourth year of dental school, since I'm about halfway through my third year now. If you're looking for more episodes with guests, I also have plenty of those, so feel free to scroll back through old episodes if that's what you're looking for. Let's get into this week's episode. So a quick little recap, since I love to do these each week before we get into the topic of this week's episode, and I'll also give you a preview for what's coming up. So next week, we're going to have a guest, and that is a first-year dental student at Tufts. We talk a lot about diversity in dentistry and the Native American population specifically, and it's a really interesting episode, so I'm excited to share it all with you. And all the pre- next coming weeks, I have guests laid out for quite a while, pretty much up until December. And with all of your help, so thank you, I was able to plan out the solo episodes based on the input that you all gave me on Instagram. So if you don't follow on Instagram at Dental Download Podcast, please do. And always, 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 I would love to hear your input, your ideas, guests that you'd like me to have, especially if they're dentists. I'm very plugged in with a lot of dental students, as you would assume, but I don't know as many dentists. So if you know any dentists and have their contact info or Instagrams, whatever it may be, please let me know because I'm always looking for more guests to keep the show rolling. As for this week, it was kind of interesting because I had five patients scheduled, I believe, but on Monday, the very first one did not show up because they overslept through the appointment, but they, despite that, seemed like a reliable and really interested patient in their treatment plan. So I'm giving them one more chance and I scheduled them for 1 p.m. next time or afternoon slot so hopefully that goes a little bit better and then I did a profi on Monday as well and I think we had a lunch and learn and then on Tuesday it was like such a fun day in dental school you all know I talk about all the time don't mean to be complaining but I just haven't done a lot of restorative work or a lot of true dentistry I've just been doing a lot of perio things and exams and planning treatment that doesn't end up happening because the patients decide not to come back to the school, things like that. So it was so fun. I got to do real dentistry. The patient is on board for the treatment plan, consent signed, payment is there. We're doing it. And doing it is going to be a bridge on the lower right and then a maxillary upper RPD. So I'm excited to get to provide those. There's already an existing bridge. So what I did on Tuesday was I sectioned the bridge and removed the crown for the tooth that has decay under it, which is why we were doing the bridge in the first place. And once all that was done, that was pretty much the end of the appointment time and got a temp on as well, which is a temporary crown. 
And at the next visit, I will take off the temporary crown, get the carries out, do a core buildup, re-prep the tooth for a crown, and then try to get the bridge off of the other half of the bridge, so the abutment tooth on the premolar. Try to get it all off and then refine that and get a PVS impression for those bridges to be made. But we'll see if all that can get done in one appointment. But it was just fun to be drilling and doing dentistry and I successfully got my IAN. The only restorative I've done has been local infiltration. I haven't needed to do an IAN. So it was good to get to try it on a real patient finally. I did some in oral surgery on my rotation a couple weeks ago. I have a whole episode about rotations, the most recent solo episode. But I literally missed the IAN on most patients or it just wasn't enough. I don't know, but we had to give more and the fourth year assisting would do another IAN and then it would work. So I either missed or didn't give enough. But either way, I was happy on Tuesday that it was successful. And I think I learned things throughout my rotation about getting better at anesthesia. So that was a nice experience and it was nice to see that it paid off and I got to do some dentistry and I have some treatment plans. Makes me very, very happy. And then I just assisted in the afternoon. And on Wednesday, I had another great prospective appointment because it was a new patient and we treatment planned. I'm doing a crown from their endo and then I'm also going to be doing a couple restorations and I was able to do a same day hygiene referral, which for us is really great because when we do the profi ourselves, we get one credit. But if we refer to our hygiene students to do the profi, we get two credits and you know, I'm not there spending more time with the patient. I can go home and study or do whatever I need to do. So you're less time there and the hygiene student gets practice. So it's really, really a win-win. So that was fun. I got to refer to hygiene for that patient's profi and finished early. And then today when I'm recording is Thursday. I had a patient at 9 a.m. And this is what I was saying is like ironic situation happened today. My 9 a.m. patient was not able to be seen because they were too hypertensive. It would be too dangerous to treat them. And then I was doing my endodontics rotation in the afternoon. So I think we do that once per semester where we just assist in the graduate endo department and you're supposed to resist on a procedure, but that procedure also could not happen because the patient was too hypertensive. So that was just like weird that that happened twice in one day. It's not that uncommon, especially in oral surgery. A lot of times if patients can't get their blood pressure down, that we can't treat them. So what happens after that, if you're curious? So the same patient I saw this morning, this is her second visit. Her first visit, we saw her too hypertensive to treat, sent a medical consult, to her physician. The physician responded and added a new medication. The patient took the medication, came in today for their second appointment. Blood pressure is still too high for treatment. So we're going to have the patient actually go into the physician this time and get reevaluated, get a new medication structure going on or something. This is obviously the physician's expertise area, not ours. So we refer to them to come up with a new treatment plan that's going to get her blood pressure in a safer range, not even just dental treatment, but in general, get this patient's blood pressure under control for their overall well-being. But we can't proceed with a treatment plan that's very comprehensive, perio, oral surgery, pros, restorative. None of this can happen if the blood pressure isn't in a healthy range, which if you're curious what that is, um, it's 145 over 95 is like the maximum that we would allow for being able to do 
restorative dentistry or extractions, like anything with local anesthetic, the epinephrine, that's just a concern. There are anesthetics without epinephrine, but they're not as long-lasting and not quite as effective. And just in general, it's just risky, and you never want to take that risk and put the patient in danger. So that was kind of the summary of the week. It was a good week, a busy week, and just I was just optimistic because, like I said, that's two patients with treatment plans moving forward, and I'm stoked about it. And then the one patient lingering, if the medications and hypertension can get under control, a third patient with restorative needs. So fingers crossed that everything keeps going that way and I can be busy the rest of the semester and learn a lot and get a lot of practice. So we'll get right into the main topic of the episode next. So fourth year of dental school is going to be interesting. I obviously don't know everything. I'm not going through it. I just have like the outsider perspective at the moment. But being that I'm a third year now, I know a lot of fourth years. I've been around dental school for a bit. I have a better understanding of what four year is going to bring and kind of what I'm expecting, how it's going to go, my plans, everything like that. And I actually have two roommates that are fourth years, so I'm firsthand seeing their experiences at least and they're planning to go into general dentistry so I'm getting to observe how that looks from an outside perspective but really like getting all the info of how each element of everything I'll talk about today has been going for them as individuals and like I said they're not planning to do a residency I'm not planning to do a residency even a general practice residency I just hope to go right into working. So that means that fourth year looks a little different for me, being that I won't be going through interviews or doing an additional application. The application for residencies, especially general practice residencies, kind of mirrors what you did or will do for dental school itself, like IDEA AdSAS. There's a very similar portal, letters of recommendation, listing your experiences and your research, and your interest in the different programs, supplemental questions, supplemental fees, interviews, it's all very similar, but it's just for the next level of your career and even a personal statement. Like it's all very similar, but now it's about why do you want to do the specialty? Why do you want to do an AEGD or GPR, whatever it may be? And then you interview throughout the fall of your fourth year and then you get accepted It depends which specialties it is. They have different specialty acceptance times. It depends if it's match or non-match. But again, I'm not the person to ask about all that because I don't have any plans to go into any of those programs. Then the other big thing that you do during fourth year at any school is boards. So first being the Integrated National Dental Boards Exam. And that one is national, as the title says. So every single student at every single dental school will be taking this exam. It is a one-part exam taken over two days. I don't know enough of the logistics to talk about it here. Once I get into my study process at the end of third year, I will surely make at least one episode, if not a few, about it. But that's something I'm anticipating. And at our school, we take it basically anytime starting in June until most people are done by August. So you can study in the spring of your third year and take it right away. You can study over the summer for a couple weeks and then take it. And then you also have another written, you know, multiple choice test for your state licensing exam. 
two of the state licensing companies merged recently, CDCA and REB. So I might not have the exact number. It's either 46 or 47 states are licensed through this one exam now since they merged. But previously, you needed to kind of figure out where you were going to practice to know which licensing exam you had to take. But now most states are covered. However, that's still not every state. So depending where you want to practice, it might be a different exam. But for me, it's the CDCA. And there is a written multiple choice test for that as well that most people take, again, either late summer or early fall. And then in the fall, it just happened a couple weekends ago, for our dental school we hosted in October, all the fourth years take their clinical boards for endodontics and prosthodontics. And then in the spring, usually in March is when it's hosted at our school, all the fourth years have to take the CDCA clinicals again for restorative and perio, I believe. I could be mixing things up, but that's what I remember hearing. And those are expensive tests. I think you pay like over $2,000. And if you have to retake anything, you have to repay for everything, not just like the portion that you need to retake. And you have to pass them all and pass all of those multiple choice tests and meet all of your dental school's graduation requirements in order to graduate and get that doctor of dental surgery or doctor of dental medicine. So, it's a lot. (laughs) It really is. And there's some other components of fourth year that I'm kind of thinking about that I want to mention to you all as well that are like the interview process, getting your resume and everything together, but then also talking about individual graduation requirements at our school and also just how I'm expecting my life to be. So that's kind of what we'll talk about next. All right, the next thing notable to talk about for fourth year is me trying to find a job. Like, I'm already kind of thinking about it. Not even kind of. I I am. I'm thinking about it. I'm looking, even though it's early. That's just how I am. And I would love, love, love to have my job figured out going into fourth year or right at the beginning. So that would mean April, May of 2023 what's next 2023 is next year I would love that then I don't have to be as stressed fourth year I can just focus on learning as much as I can and getting ready to graduate and if I knew what kind of practice I was going into I could also know what type of procedures I want to improve on more specifically of course you know basic bread and butter dentistry I'll always be doing but let's say I've discussed with that doctor you know I'll see all the kids or I'll want to learn endo or I want to learn implants I don't know whatever it may be and then I can spend more time in the specialty departments for those things or doing extra CE or just like better putting in motion the plan and getting towards my goals rather than just kind of aimlessly picking things that are dentistry related but might not make sense for the practice that I'm going into Or if like they never do endo and they're like, honestly, I'm not great at endo. I won't be a good mentor for you. Then like, I probably just won't do endo. And if they're great at other things, they're going to mentor me in other things. I'll just focus on that. And I'm not going to spend time fourth year in the endo clinic and taking endo CE if I'm never going to do it. So that's kind of what I mean by that and why one of the reasons I think it would be helpful. Another reason is so I can start looking for housing and just kind of get excited about life after dental school. So the earlier I can find a job 
the better personally. I'm not going to rush into it. Like I have a few connections and things from like my hometown. I don't have any family in dentistry or any even like personal connections in dentistry. It's just through meeting people that know people kind of thing is a couple people I know and like the dentist I shadowed and undergrad stuff like that just people I want to follow up with my family dentist things like that ask to go see them at their office ask about when the day is over or during the day just kind of pick their brains in general about their career things they wish they did things they wish they knew if they're looking for associates if they are looking for an associate is it a perfect potential transition situation or is it just an associate and they have no intention of retiring anytime soon like my family dentist is a pretty young woman she's had the practice for maybe like seven or eight years now but I'm sure she's nowhere near retirement but she has the space and I'm sure is looking for an associate eventually to boost her own income so things like that I would love to follow up with and see where people that I've met over the years heads are at like people through the Washtenaw District Dental Society, which is the district Ann Arbor's in, or from my home dental society. I think it's Detroit Dental Society or like Oakland County Dental Society. And then different podcast guests I've had that might be in-state or out-of-state just to like put it out there. Hey, we met XYZ event when I was a first year or a second year. While I'm nearing the end of my third year now and I'm really looking for a job, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the associate life and if you have any advice for me. Also wanted to see if you happen to know anyone hiring in blank area and we'll see where that goes. I'm not at the point where I'm reaching out to a ton of people yet, but I've met up with like one of the connections that I have in the town that I'm from. That's about as far as I've gone so far. And I'm sure that I'll probably also interview with one or two DSOs. We have so many opportunities with them through them like sponsoring events at the dental school I'm sure a lot of you do as well and what I've heard is good to do is to get your contract from the DSO and use that to try to negotiate with your private practice offer as well because a lot of times the DSOs are offering a higher compensation because they have that like big backing of a huge company behind them and they can afford to do that versus a private practice It might just be one person and that's a big investment to put into you. But even if you can kind of meet in the middle or something and be locked into a higher daily minimum would be a really great thing. So that's kind of my plan. And I mean, I'm not 100% that I can't work at a DSO. I think my preference is probably private practice, but I know there's a lot of DSOs out there that have a private practice feel, have great mentorship, great benefits that might be really helpful when I'm starting my family and trying to move and get settled like it could be nice to just have health insurance and a 401k and paid for CE and just an easy couple years to transition and get my school paid off learn a lot and then transition into private practice really wouldn't be so bad so I'm going into it with an open mind and I'll probably try to explore as many options as I can in both corporate and private And it's kind of funny because today I was working on my resume for literally no reason. I was just procrastinating schoolwork and I opened it up and I started to change things around based on what we had been told in a presentation from a person that used to kind of work in HR and dentistry and was telling us how the different like AI, like robotic 
resume reviewer systems work before they even get to a real human to review it and they're like even a real person studies say they only look at a resume for like eight seconds or something and he was saying you want a lot of facts and figures and actions shown so you want to talk about like how many patients you managed how many people you saw in your external rotations what kind of procedures you did how fast you do them things like that obviously if it's anything that looks poorly on you don't put it but if it's anything notable even if you think oh like my patient pool was only like 30 people but keeping up with 30 people calling them scheduling them handling talking to the billing office putting out prior authorizations for insurance doing post-op calls like all that's a lot of work it might not be what the dentist always does in an office but it shows that you have managerial skills organization skills people skills empathy those are all things that if I was an owner doctor I would be looking for in hiring an associate so that's something I put on my resume for example so I started updating it today and I took out like all of my high school stuff I took out like college jobs I took out dental shadowing I took out my college grades and clubs I even took out some of my dental school stuff and just basically made it as fillers for fourth year once I do my external rotations I made a section for each of those and then just my clinic experience at U of M and kind of put bullet points and then like blanks once I figure out how many of each procedure where I am for the different rotations what I do there I mostly just made it like a template that I can kind of edit and fill in later but it's a lot more dental focused and focused on facts figures actions progress gives people more of a picture of who I am and where my skill set is at and then I really like it honestly and hopefully once I actually have that information it will be better but the thing is obviously if I'm looking for jobs third year I won't have any of the external rotation stuff in it yet we actually do go on a two-day external rotation during third year and mine is going to be in December so I guess I can add that there but fourth year you go on three to four weeks every semester. You're supposed to do 10 total, but we might end up doing 12 because I know when I applied to dental school, they said it was 12 and now it's 10. It used to, it went down to like six during COVID, back up to 10. So maybe it'll go back up to 12 by the time that I'm in a fourth year. We'll see. But either way, you basically spend two to three weeks at a clinic each semester and they could be the same clinic or it can be different ones. Most people end up doing different ones because you kind of want to get a diverse experience set. But if you really want to be in one place, you can put in a request and they may or may not fulfill it that way. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to those external rotations. You get a lot of great experience and you have the chance to do all kinds of dentistry, whatever walks in the door and is in your chair and of some of the clinics you really get to work like a dentist you have to do all your hygiene checks and do your operative work kind of go back and forth like a real office and some places you're seeing a ton of patients extractions crowns bridges fillings anything you name it while doing the hygiene checks so like a real office I'm really looking forward to that and challenging myself I would fluster and be terrible probably if I went like tomorrow just because I'm just getting cases for restorative and clinic finally 
I'm hoping that I'll get a lot of those patients I was mentioning in the intro scheduled during November so that I've done more restorative before I go on these rotations come December. But mine is just two days and it's in a clinic in Ann Arbor. So I've heard you do a lot of extractions there. So at least I have oral surgery under my belt before I go there. And I like the other students that are doing the external rotation with me, my classmates. And I think that'll make it fun too because then at least we like can support each other, help each other and travel there together everything like that all right so to finish off the episode the last thing I'm going to talk about is just kind of how I'm expecting the schedule and stresses to be a fourth year so you all know I do a ton of student organizations leadership lots of things I'm involved in I don't think my YouTube and podcast is going to slow down at all a fourth year but my club involvement will at least leadership positions So my ASDA chapter presidency will end in January, February-ish before the ASDA annual session. So after that, I won't have any positions in our chapter. And I'm not sure if I'm going to apply for a district position or not. I haven't totally decided. I'm leaning towards yes because I feel like I'll have such FOMO not being in leadership at all. And it's been so fun and rewarding and I want to continue being involved. So I'll probably apply for a district position. National applications are open right now. And I have also considered applying for the Council on Communications for ASDA nationally, but I just am trying to hold myself back so that I'm not overwhelmed fourth year because there's so many other things to do. But it's also a really great experience. So I'm just like on the fence. I have pros and cons in both columns. So you guys will know eventually if I ever apply for that. And then if I get offered the opportunity after that. But in general, I would say way less leadership and time to do more of all the D4 things. Like I said, studying for boards, going on interviews, trying to meet clinic requirements and test case requirements and submitting case complete forms. So I've told you all about the clinic requirements. You need X amount of credits to graduate. Every procedure is worth certain credits. But like today when my patient wasn't able to actually go through with the procedure, even though I was there, the patient was there, we were there for an hour and a half. I don't get any credits because we didn't do a billable procedure. So it's kind of interesting the way that that works out. But we have to meet the, the total number requirements. And then I also have to finish all my test cases and pass them. And then we have to submit a certain amount of case complete forms, which basically means the patients are done with any treatment and all that they need is their annual exam and six-month profi or if they're, they could be perio maintenance too. But basically you finished all their restorative needs, their treatment plan, if you will, is complete. And that is just a way to show that like we've gone through that with a patient and really like brought them in, had a plan, and then fixed everything. And I don't know how many of those we need. Maybe like 10, 15, 20. I'm really not sure. But there's a bit. So you start working on those as soon as fourth year begins. And as for having more time as well, I kind of mentioned this in the beginning, but I would love to join a study club or two where you go over different research or techniques or dental materials or just new information and learn together. I think that would be really beneficial and a great way to use my time. It's something I kind of want to transition into doing once I am a dentist. So it would be good to get that habit going, those relationships going, that skill set going because I'm really not great at interpreting research articles themselves. 
I can obviously read like a normal article or blog post about something written for dentists and understand it. And I can understand research articles as well, but not as quickly or as great at interpreting data and everything like that. So it would be a good skill set for me to continue to work on. And also probably putting more dedicated time into CE, like maybe once a week I watch an hour CE or something like that. So overall, I would just say I'm really excited to know, hopefully by this time next year, but I mean, realistically, a lot of people don't have their jobs worked out until February, March even of fourth year. So if I did have something figured out a year from now, I would still be like ahead of the game. But hopefully a year from now, I will know where I'm working, which would mean where I'm moving to. And I'm just excited to continue working and learning in my fourth year and eventually getting to graduate. I know that you make so much progress in your first six months post-grad, and I'm just so looking forward to that. But for now, I know like the biggest thing is not always waiting for what's to come, looking forward too much because I got to make the most of the present day when I have it and try to see as many patients as I can, learn as much as I can from all the different opportunities offered at my school and from my peers and from the different faculty and specialists. So that's kind of where I try to keep my head, try to make the most of all the different opportunities that I have and learn as much as I can because I'm never going to be in dental school again, even if I did somehow go to a specialty program. I'm never going to be in normal dental school again. So that is everything for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it and I will talk to you next week with our guest from Tufts.